All right, our scripture reading for today comes to us from Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 28. We're continuing our series, Victory. And so uh, we've been going through the book of Romans. We started in chapter 6. Six weeks later, we've made it all the way to chapter 8. Uh, But that's because there's so much good stuff in there. And so uh, here we are, chapter 8, starting at verse 28. We're going to read through verse 39. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. So uh, some of you may have noticed that I was not here last week. Um, I got to do something that was very fun and that uh, I've uh, wanted to do for a long time. Um, and if, if you're friends with me on Facebook, you know all about this. Or if you, if you talk to me often enough, I've probably talked to you about it. Uh, <clears throat> but for the rest, um, my daughter and I, McKenna, uh, last weekend got to go to Megacon in Orlando. Do you guys know what Megacon is? It's a big convention for let's just call it nerd culture. Um, you, you go and there's like a bunch of comic book things. There's uh, stuff from science fiction and superhero movies and TV. There were some famous people there. You had to pay to meet them all, so we didn't meet any. Uh, but we got to see them from a distance. Uh, there, it was a lot of fun stuff. It was in the Orlando Convention Center. I was surprised with how big it was. It was huge. Uh, and we did something else. When we went, it was our first time going, and it was our first time doing this, uh, which a lot of people do when they go to comic book conventions and stuff. We dressed up, or as they call it, we did cosplay. Uh, which is short for costume play. And so we dressed up as different characters. Uh, McKenna went as Harley Quinn, because of course she's very popular with the girls right now. Uh, And I went as a character called Deathstroke the Terminator, Um, which was awesome. Um, 
It can, I had a, like body armor on and like a full face mask that with one eye covered up because he's, he's like blind in one eye, which made it really hard to see. I was bumping into people all day long. Like you couldn't see anything out of that side. There's no way he fights in that thing. Um, and, uh, and like a big samurai sword on my back and stuff like that. And so uh, <clears throat> it turned out pretty good. Um, if you send me a friend request on Facebook, you can see pictures if you want. But um, when we went there, though, I will say never having done that before, we were a little nervous. And so, you know, we went in and at first we were afraid, like, are, is, are there going to be other people that are dressed up? You know, is it just going to be us or whatever? And there were, there were a lot of other people dressed up. Maybe not half, but a lot of other people there dressed up. So that put us at ease. But then we come in and we went through the little security thing and immediately um, someone stops us and says, oh, hey, can I take my picture with you guys? And so, we were like, oh, okay, but we were still kind of nervous. So, you know, we just kind of stood there like this while the, while the guy like took a picture of us. And, uh, and so then we start walking around and more people start asking to take our picture. And not that I kept count, but I would say probably like 20 people asked us to, to take one or both of us, right, to take our picture. And let me tell you something, guys. When 20 plus people ask if they can take their picture with you, it makes you feel pretty good. (laughs) You start to feel like you're doing something pretty cool, that everybody wants to take their picture with you. So like in the first picture that I took, you know, like I was nervous standing like this. The last picture, some little boy in a Spider-Man costume comes up to me and he's like, can can we take our picture together? And I'm like, sure. Ha ha! You know, like I'm (laughs) striking a pose and uh, really getting into it, you know, and so, and, and McKenna had a fun experience too. She got to meet some, uh, another cosplayer that she, she likes and follows. And so she was just, she's going to be embarrassed, but you could just see on her face, like how stoked she was to get to meet this other person. And, uh, and so I would tell you, like in that moment, we were in our glory guys right then, uh, getting to do something that we have wanted to do for a long time, uh, having a good time. It, it was great. And um, I think some of you, maybe you're like, I don't relate to dressing up like superheroes at all, Pastor Matt. Uh, But I think we all do relate to having those little moments of glory, though, don't we? Uh, We all have those moments in our life where we are just in our element, you know, where we just feel so good about what's going on. Uh, We just love it. Uh, Maybe it's something that you achieved. Maybe it's something that brought you success. Uh, maybe it's a relational thing. Maybe it was, you know, having your children or getting to see them achieve or something. We all have those little moments in our life, uh, those little moments of glory where we feel good and we feel good about ourselves and we feel good about what we are achieving and what we are accomplishing. And that's important for us to recall today because today we see a, a moment of Jesus in his glory. Only what we see for Jesus is not really just a moment, uh, but it is something that is going to continue forever uh, throughout life eternal. And you might have missed it because the Apostle Paul kind of sneaks it in there. Uh, and yet it forms kind of the basis for everything else that he's saying. We find it in verse 34. Yeah, if you want to follow along with me. Uh, And we're going to refer back to a few other verses as well, if you want to keep your Bibles out. So verse 34, he says, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, 
is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And it's right there in that moment where he describes Jesus as being at the right hand of God that we see Jesus in his glory. I think I mentioned a few weeks ago when we were talking about this that so many times our our vision of Jesus comes to us from the Gospels where we see Jesus at a time when he had humbled himself, where he humbled himself to be born as a human being and where he set aside his own power and his own authority uh, so that he could do the will of the Father. This is not that moment. Here Jesus is in his glory. Here Jesus is in his rightful place at the right hand of God. (coughs) And if you go back to the ancient world, to feudal systems, uh, the right hand of, of a king was the position of power and authority. That person had essentially the same power and authority as the king to go out and exercise it on the king's behalf. And we have a holdover from that today. Sometimes we'll still refer to someone as being like, he's their right-hand man or she's their right-hand woman, right? That idea that they are the person that is indispensable, that actually does the work that needs to be done. This is Jesus in his glory, at the right hand of God, exercising his power and his authority. And we see in this very verse, Paul lays out how this came to be. Christ who died, he humbled himself. He died doing the work of paying for our sins, who was raised to life. So he was, uh, he was victorious over death, being raised to life, and then now is seated at the right hand of God, is in his glory. Christ has won that victory. He has been given the glory. And God wants us to understand that we have received that as well. That that same, the benefit of Christ's work, the victory of his resurrection, and the glory of his power and authority have also come to us. In verse 28 and following, he says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. And so we see it all laid out for us there. That God knew us, he predestined us, he called us, he justified us, and he glorifies us. So that we receive that same glory of Jesus Christ in our own life. And I want you to think for a minute how if you truly believed that, how if you truly understood that, how it might change your whole view of life. How might that change how you view the world? How might it change how you view your own life? How might it change how you view uh, the challenges that you face? How might it change how you view uh, the things that you want to achieve in this life, knowing that you have that glory of Jesus within you? 
I think it's important that we be reminded of that and what it means because so often, uh, so often we, we picture things much smaller. So often we get so caught up in our own life and the sort of the daily mundane things that we need and that we're trying to accomplish that we forget how, we forget about the big picture. We forget about how big God really is. And instead of viewing uh, the world through this lens of the glory of Christ, of Christ ruling over everything, we start to view it through the lens of our own life and our own experience. And so our relationship with God becomes less about this big cosmic idea of God ruling over everything and God's victory coming to us and God's glory coming to us. And it becomes more just about uh, kind of the daily things we need. And so when we come to God, the foremost questions that are in our head are things like, did God answer that prayer that I needed answered this past week? Did God give me the, the strength that I needed to get, get through a tough, day, a tough day at work? Did God help me in my relationship with my kids or my wife or this person that you know, I've been having an issue with? And sometimes the answer to those questions are no. And then where does that leave us? When our view of God is that small, where does that leave us? Uh, I got something to show you today. Calm down, Larry. It's going to be okay. So I have this Cubs blanket. You may be wondering why I have this Cubs blanket when, as Larry and others know, I'm a big St. Louis Cardinals fan. And I'll tell you why. It is because last year uh, we went home, or I went home, rather, because I grew up in Chicago. Uh, I went home for a visit, and since I hadn't been there in a while, we decided to take in a baseball game. And when we went there, being Floridians... It was freezing, and we were ill-prepared. Uh, and so we ended up buying this blanket that probably would have been $5 at Walmart, but was 40 at the ballpark, <laughs> just mostly so my daughter could be warm, really. But. And now, as St. Louis Cardinals fans, we're stuck with a stupid Cubs blanket <laughs> that we never want to use. <laughs> now, I'm telling you this, uh, the point of the story is really not the blanket. The point of the story is this, that when we were there, when we bought this stupid blanket, the Cubs lost, which, as a St. Louis Cardinals fan, made me happy. <laughs> because they're in the same division. So I was glad that the Cubs lost. Now, those of you that are baseball fans and followed along last season know that that one game that the Cubs lost was like one of five. They lost all season. It did not matter at all. They had a great season. They had a championship season. Uh, they went on to win the World Series. It was crazy. Uh, that one lost game did not matter in the grander scheme of the big picture. In the end, they were, frustratingly, still victorious. And that is what it is like for us as Christians. 
We cannot get caught up in just the little tiny things where we might see a loss here and there and think that that is all there is to God and our relationship with him. The picture is much bigger, and in the end, we have the victory. God knows all this. God knows all this, and he invites us to come to him. Yeah, you see, part of the issue is this. Jesus, sitting at the right hand of God, rules over the world. And he knows what the world is like. So many times uh, we look at the world and we see all the evil that's in it. And, and we, we might find ourselves questioning, does God know? Why isn't he doing something about this? Doesn't he know what's going on? Guys, he knows. He rules over it all. And he knows. He knows about the problems in the world. And I'll tell you something else. He knows about the problems in your life. And he rules over those too. That's why he invites us to come to him and he invites us to bring those things to him. He invites us to come to him uh, with the hurts that we have suffered, the brokenness that we have suffered because we live in a broken world with evil in it. But I'll tell you something else. He also invites us to come to him and be honest about ourselves as well. It's so easy to look around at the world around us and point to all the problems there, but let's be honest, sometimes the problem is us. Sometimes we are the ones that cause suffering and pain in our own lives and in other people's lives. Sometimes we are the ones that do evil in the sight of God. Sometimes we are the ones that sin. And God invites us to bring that to him as well. Because he's not small. Because he is a big enough God to take it. He's a big enough God to take all the hurts we've suffered from living in this world. He is a big enough God to take all of our sin and evil that we ourselves have committed. That has hurt ourselves and hurt people that we care about. He's a big enough God to take all that and he replaces it. He replaces it with love and with mercy and with forgiveness. It might be easy uh, to shy away from that, to not want to talk about it, to not want to admit it, to not want to be honest. It might be easy to get defensive, to cry about judgment and hurt feelings but that's not what God wants for us. He wants us to bring us those things. He wants us to, to stay, to stand in front of him and receive the things that he has to give us in return. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, he defeated all those powers of evil in the world. He defeated, not to sound too dramatic, but he defeated all the forces that are arrayed against us. He defeated the powers of sin and hell and death. And he claimed us as our own. His own, rather. He claimed us as his children. You know, there's a wonderful thing 
about him sitting at the right hand of God. I'm going to quote that verse again. Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Jesus is interceding for us. Jesus is advocating for us. Jesus is standing up for us. The guy at the right hand of God, the guy with all that power and authority, is the one who stands up for us, who intercedes on our behalf. Uh, It's a bit of an odd example, but I I heard it put this way once. It's like uh, trying to get into a high-end nightclub. And you stand in line for hours, and you get up to the front, and the bouncer is there, and he looks at you, and he looks at his list, and he says, you're not on my list. And Jesus is the owner of the club standing there, who says, it's okay, he's with me. Let him in. Let her in. There with me. Jesus, the Son of God, sitting at the right hand of God, is interceding for us. And because of that, nothing that we encounter, uh, nothing that we bring from within us, can separate us from God. As it says, neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And because of that, we can state with confidence the other verse that people love in this passage. That we are more than conquerors in Jesus because he's the one that rules over us in love. And in his name, amen.